Let's relieve the pressure about needing romance to complete us. Kyle, take it away. Hey, Vince. Hi, everybody. Um, happy Valentine's Day. You know, I think uh, Valentine's Day for, I would say, most adults come with complicated emotions. There may be a few people that have figured out how to walk that balance of appropriate expectation and a level of, uh, of desired connection that happens every year on that day. But I will say for most adults, uh, Valentine's Day is probably as often an experience of missed expectations, of disappointment, of looking for something else. Um, I will say the one exception in terms of that I find is every once in a while, when you bring Valentine's Day up to children, it feels like they almost get it right. Like it's because it's for them. It's it's not all. It's not about the competition. It's not about meeting some expectation. It's just being a child and wanting the people in your life to know that they're loved. And as part of this church, uh, in some ways, we all have kids that are part of our life here. Even though we don't get to see them on Sundays in the same way, we do do kids' church before church every Sunday. And this week, our, our kids had a little gift for everybody else here uh, that if you wonder if you're going to get a Valentine's Day card, um, the answer is yes. Um, so this is from the BLC Kids for everybody here today. Uh, we made this together in collaboration. Um, there are eyes. Um, I'm not, I never knew eyes were, were such an important part of love, but these are little notes um, from Valentine's Day kids for everybody else here. Um, wishing uh, you from BLC Kids a happy Valentine's Day. Um, so thank you kids who are on this call for the important work of picking out all of the things that made up this card. Um, but I do want to say that a thing that pulls out a Valentine's Day to me is it feels so profoundly American. It is a day that is built essentially on the fundamental truths of consumerism, of capitalism. It's about what you're buying somebody else. It's about a real sense of competition. And I think it's layered on something else that is a fundamental truth of our reality that maybe we don't talk about quite as much. Uh, we've mentioned this in the past. It's this, uh, the concept of soulmate ideology. The idea here, um, which I think helpfully was drawn out by the author Ernest Becker in, in a book, Denial of Death. Uh, Vince is the one that first put me onto this. But the concept being throughout history, how we wrestled with existential kind of realities of death, how we dealt with the unease of humanity was by looking to things greater than ourselves, notably God. That throughout history, that had been true. People looked to God. How do I make sense of this world? What is the meaning of life? Where is value and fullness in this world? And that is, Ernest argues, and I would say I would agree, until the modern Western culture, which has replaced God as the source of depth and fullness in life with love, romantic love. What brings fullness into life? What, what is a life that is well-lived and full of depth and meaning? Where do we find it? We find it in the screen, in the notebook. We find it in our novels. We find it in our stories. It is finding one's soulmate, the one that completes us, the one that makes life worth living, the one that makes us a better person. Now, as somebody who loves my wife and I'm happily married, I'm not trying to say that romantic love is ill, is something we should avoid and is something terrible, but I think there is a deep-seated lie that has found life in our culture. A lie that 
injures and hurts those of us who are not in a romantic relationship, injures and hurts those of us who are in a romantic relationship. I think it is a lie that particularly the church has grabbed onto in the last 50 years. The rise of conservatism and traditional family values aligning with faith, creating a picture of a life well lived is a suburban home with a two children and a spouse of the opposite gender. That is what a life should be. Setting up disappointment for not only those who don't have that, but particularly for those in the LGBTQ community who are sitting there and not even having a picture of what a full life could look like for them. And the truth is, it is an incredibly uh, damaging lie for those in relationships just as much as those not. And it's also something that you really struggle to find as a consistent reality of truth in the Bible. You see, you think about the heroes of faith and it is not a singular picture of what depth and fullness looks like. You have Jesus, Paul, John the Baptists, many of the prophets who live their whole life without romantic relationship. You have Ruth living a deep and full life as a widow, no longer in romantic relationship. You have strange and non-traditional marriages of Jacob marrying two sisters, Moses having two wives, most likely a first and second wife after the first one passed away. You have Naomi marrying Boaz after her first husband passed away. And the truth is there is still uh, powerful messages about the role romantic relationship could play in our life. We see this in the household codes of Ephesians 5, describing a relationship of mutual support and mutual edification. But simply put, a narrative that says a life well lived requires a traditionally heteronormative romantic relationship, I think is a lie. Depth and fullness is found in lots of places. Depth and fullness is found in the God we love loving us, in the relationships around us fulfilling us. And I think each of us would be freed, particularly on Valentine's Day, to be freed and acknowledge the name of this lie and acknowledge the way that this lie has been endorsed largely by the church. And this lie has so often stolen from us as single people communicating a narrative of less than and to married people communicating an expectation of what their spouse to be that is not realistic or real or honest or human. And it feels that today we want to lean into that together, not to talk and uh, kind of crap on romance on Valentine's Day, although there is some satisfaction for some of us to do that on Valentine's Day, but no, to say that we have a God who loves us and desires and has available for us deep and full life. And part of stepping into that is naming what is a lie and helping us think more creatively about what can be true. And so for today, I have a couple conversation partners that are going to help us talk about this, help us imagine and wrestle with the way that I think that this lie has permeated almost every part of our current American uh, psyche. And my first conversation partner, I'm super excited to invite in L'Oreal Merritt. Hello, L'Oreal. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Good morning. I'm Thank you for... Good. 
Thank you for joining us in conversation today. So frankly, L'Oreal, uh, if you may may not know, is one of our interns right now, our communication intern, and was at our meeting as we started talking about this very conversation. And Vince asked me, so where do you want people to land after this? Like, what's the goal like, where, of where people live? And I was like, I want them to live where L'Oreal is right now. <laughs> So I, I thought it would be appropriate to bring L'Oreal into the conversation. So L'Oreal, just to start off with, I'm curious how the narratives around soulmate ideology, that to be a live a life that is deep and full, it requires a romantic partner. I'm yeah, so. Tell me about how that has either set you up poorly, set you up to be missed, and just talk to me a little bit how that's played out for you. Yeah, so like, I grew up in a church that the church environment, it was very centered around like finding your spouse and like being married and like, you know, just being with someone romantically. And even like, if you are single, you're supposed to be preparing for your spouse. Like that's the most important thing is like either preparing for your spouse, like while being single or being married, finding someone like you, you have to be with someone and be married. And so, <clears throat> I think growing up like that, it kind of like set these expectations for me in my mind, like, okay, by this age, I need to be married or I need to be with somebody. And then by this age, I need to have kids. And by this age, you know, like it creates these expectations that can be unrealistic. And most of the times it's like, like, like who said this? Who said that it had to be this way, you know? But it does create these type of expectations. And so like from my personal experience, early last year, um, I just remember looking around and seeing everybody in relationships and getting married. And even here at Moody, you guys know I go to Moody. Um, even at my school, there's this joke like, oh, like, the senior dash is this thing that um because everybody it's like this joke that when you come to moody you're supposed to find your spouse right like everybody's supposed to find their husband and wives so the senior dash is like this thing like if you're a senior and you haven't found your husband or wife like you got to find them before you graduate and so um even that has been like harmful to me because you know i'm single and i'm looking around and i'm just like okay like you know, I don't, I don't have anybody like, and it kind of made me start to feel like something was wrong with me or like, I'm not doing something right. Or, you know, like maybe even God has forgotten about me. Like maybe I'm just not supposed to have someone. And it, it provokes all these negative thoughts and emotions towards myself and towards relationships. And I felt like because no one was pursuing me romantically, like, I'm just not valuable in that way, or I'm just like doing something wrong, basically. So it kind of it kind of does mess with you. Like that's that soulmate ideology is is unrealistic and it creates unrealistic expectations, basically, from my experience. Absolutely. I agree. I I, I grew up in a, a context in Loyal very much where it's, you know. Kind of the the purpose of uh, in a lot of ways becoming a healthier person is to make yourself a better mate for somebody later um and 
particularly, I think, trying to figure out who you are and figuring out what does it look like to grow in a relationship to you. I think another part of this narrative where I think the church is particularly complicit is this idea that like my spiritual partner, like I won't actually really arrive as a mature spiritual human being until I do it with my spouse. Um, And so it's like, I'm not even like a complete, like I'm never, you know, and which is kind of hilarious if you look through history. Um, Like there's a reason the Catholic church has set it up that priests don't get married. There was a real sense of in singleness, there is a real intimacy and relationship that develops with God. Now we may argue whether that is something that needs to be a rule set in place, but there's certainly no, it wasn't like a, a zero wisdom decision that people not in relationships develop these deep intimate uh as almost you know some nuns will communicate like marriage to jesus and god like this is where my commitment is Um, but there was a real less than experience for me in that singleness um i'm curious for you just uh, as you think about how that's you you kind of pointed a little bit how that's already kind of evolved for yourself that you you ask those questions but have have somewhat moved uh, to the other side of realizing that there's something perhaps more in terms of what is available to you now uh, not in a romantic relationship would you just tell me a little bit more about uh, what that looks like for you yeah so i think like you said i feel like the church um it kind of, it teaches a lot about how to prepare for marriage, how to have love and romantic relationships and like prepare for that. But it very rarely talks about self-love. I rarely ever hear the church talk about self-love, loving yourself and what it looks like to be whole on your own without feeling like you need to pursue romantic relationships to be fulfilled, which is ironic because Jesus is that person. But I realized in my singleness, like I started to realize that I don't have to have a romantic partner to be considered valuable or to even like fulfill my purpose in life. And, you know, not to say like your spouse necessarily won't help you do that. I think your spouse can push you and like motivate you and challenge you, but you don't, nowhere does it say like being married fulfills your purpose or it helps you to reach your purpose in life. And even when you look to the Bible, there are so many people who were never married, but had like a full and fulfilling life. Like Jesus is the obvious example. Like he never got married. He fulfilled his purpose. And Paul was another person. The Bible never spoke about him being married and he fulfilled his purpose as well. So there are examples in the Bible that show that you don't have to be married like there's no stipulation that marriage or romantic love equals fulfilling your purpose or equals value to yourself as a person and i'm not saying that i don't want to get married one day because i definitely do i think that would be wonderful but that i'm basically what i'm saying is that my life doesn't begin to have a purpose once i get into a relationship or once i get married And I have a purpose now as a single person and God can still use me now. And I still have value now. And so basically, yeah, I've taken this time to like learn about myself, to love myself, figure out like what self-love is and, you know, figure out what my passions are, what my purpose in life is and what it looks like to be whole by myself and really to deepen my relationship with God because like when you're single and you have that solitude and that space to just be by yourself, it's a different experience, like 
that you can have with God. It's a, it's a different type of intimacy that you can experience. And so it's, it's actually really amazing. And I'm trying to like make the most of this time and like enjoy the solitude. And that's not like, when I say solitude, it doesn't mean like I'm just completely like by myself and I don't have any friends or anything because you can have very fulfilling and loving relationships that are not romantic. And I think people, nobody talks about that. Like you can have fulfilling friendships. You can have fulfilling family relationships and people at your job and like your church community. Like these relationships can be fulfilling and full of love and they're not romantic. And obviously the best fulfilling relationship I'm, I'm like really preaching right now. I'm not trying to like have a sermon with y'all. <laughs> I'm like Good preaching. But <laughs> the best fulfilling relationship that we can have is with Jesus. Like that love that he gives us, the perfect sweet love, like no romantic relationship, no friendship, none of, no one, no one's love can compare to his perfect love. So, I mean, that's like once I discovered that and started just, you know, like, like practicing more self-love and like getting deeper with God and discovering his love and like what that actually is. And, and like, it's like, wow, like you don't, you don't need, like, I'm not going to die if I never get married. Like, it's not it, like, it doesn't have to be that deep, you know, cause there are love, there is love that can be fulfilled in fulfilling relationships um outside of romantic relationships <laughs> absolutely thank you Laura. you know it, it, you're right it doesn't say that the only book that it says that you need that is the notebook in the the book of rachel mcadams and uh that's that's what teaches us it's you know we worry sometimes you hear the people in church worry about the way that culture is creeping in and influencing the church usually to in my experience to speak rather derogatory about lgbtq inclusion but to me where is it much more dangerous i think it's in places like this where the church has almost entirely surrendered to the the, the american narrative that romance is the thing that fulfills you which is it just doesn't it doesn't exist and like even the the point where some people point to of not to preview our bible study after church today but talking about how a adam had eve made as a helper like the the idea that we've attached that as a romantic partner opposed to the reality that we are not meant to be alone that we have other people in life that give us those deep and full relationships that adam mankind humanity is not meant to be alone but that does not mean that you know in the bible we see singleness described in all sorts of ways sometimes it's a gift sometimes it's a calling sometimes it's not any of that it's just a result of life you know yeah. it's not any of these things but you don't see this sense of like a lack of like Paul wasn't walking around being like I'm sorry I my life you know he talked about being content in every circumstance as a man yeah. who was imprisoned and single I just thank you so loyal any any last comments for us before we say thank you deeply for your your wisdom yeah I just like if if, if there's anything that I want to say like out of everything that I just said today just know like you don't need to be into a relationship to fulfill your purpose I think once everybody discovers that, the world will be a better place. <laughs> you can have fulfilling relationships outside of romance. That is all. <laughs> Thank you, L'Oreal. So appreciate that a lot. Yes. Um, Thank you. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone, if in real life, this is where we'd stand and applaud you as you walked away from the front. So uh, we'll do that kind of in our hearts. Um, 
you know, and, and so to invite into my conversation next, I think sometimes when we think about Valentine's Day and we think about the, the lies and the narratives around what a romantic relationship needs to be, we tend just to be like, that sucks. Uh, that's a really crappy narrative for single people. That's a, that's, that's a really crappy narrative for people that don't fit into kind of the heteronormative experience of life. But as a married person, I'm gonna say, it also sucks for people in relationships to sit there and feel like my partner's meant to complete me. You know, L'Oreal said something earlier in the conversation when we were doing the prep and she was like, you know, I'm not saying that like, you can't really be like your partner can. I was like, you don't have to defend married people. Every married person knows they married a human. Like nobody is sitting there and be like, what? No, my, my this person is perfect. How dare you say something differently? And so to invite into uh, the second part of my conversation, I'm really grateful uh, to bring in Joel and Barbara Martins. Uh, thank you guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, just for a little context, you start off. Can you get uh, how long have you have you guys been married? Uh, how long? Have, so you guys are, are married. Do you know this together? And this was eight years together. Eight. We'll figure out how long we're married. <laughs> eight years. Wow. Eight years. Yeah. Well, so I'm just curious as we you were hearing us talk and and just starting out. Um, I think one reason uh, I've invited you is because I've had conversations with both of you in the past around the kind of growing realization that like my spouse is a big part of my life and encouraging me, but uh, they can't be my everything. That's just not possible. Um, both my relationship with God is something separate from them in many ways. Also like my need to like be understood and cared for. Um, so as you heard this, I'm just curious if you uh, have any first thoughts that kind of come to your mind about how some of the narratives around how your spouse needs to complete you have maybe set you guys up poorly or missed you. Oh, okay, I was gonna start off with a joke about what a surprise that I'm not Barbie's everything. Well, this is news <laughs> to me. Um, no, so I think we, we have, we've had a, a, an interesting journey as a couple. I think we both started out where we, we started out dating long distance and then I moved to Chile and I was a part of Barbie's culture. Um, and then we both moved back to the US and now she's in the US culture. And so there's kind of multiple, there's two multiple cultural perspectives as well as one relationship that is somehow managed to survive all of that. Um, and for example, I remember distinctly in our marriage, premarital counseling, so counseling before our marriage, when uh, the, 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 the head of the household of the couple that was counseling us, which is a very um, Latin American thing. Because it was in Chile. Yeah, it was in Chile. Different culture. Thank you. And I remember uh, him telling us that I would be the sacerdote. I would be the priest of the household. And all of the spiritual and leadership responsibilities would fall on my shoulders as the man. And Barbie would be kind of like my... Uh, my cog congregate, my, my, yeah. my, you know, the other half she, she, supporting. She, yeah. And, and that was not at all my idea of what a marriage would look like, but the, how these, how it's kind of evolved from that, that cultural experience to one of, and I think early on when, especially in Chile, when we were pretty isolated, we tried pretty hard to kind of be, complete each other so to speak um and it failed and um i think it was kind of a, a lot of it was a shock of oh 
we must be doing something wrong because we're not enough for each other. And then frustration and the pain of going through that without the realization that maybe that wasn't a health, a healthy place to begin in uh, to start. Cause that was kind of the expectation of us and everybody around us. And so moving to a place of, um, of realizing we're not going to complete each other mm -hmm. and that I am not going to manage Barbie's relationship with God, for example, mm -hmm. um, has been really important because it, it, and it came out in kind of a way of frustration of Barbie saying, Joel, this isn't enough. I'd be like, okay, well go make some friends then go figure it out. Like, uh, but what that has led to is, uh, opening up the doors and the avenues to a much healthier, uh, interaction between the two of us, which is, um, we can depend on others and we can need things from, from other people and our community and our friends, um, as well as each other. And mm -hmm. that mixture means that I, like if Barbie, you know, is having a tough time or I'm having a tough time, you know, her job, it's not her job to manage me. Um, you know, we have friends and community and support um, and God. And so, especially just as our, our, you know, as our interactions and the way that we interact with God is different from me than, especially for me, than it was for me eight years ago. And so being able for me to be able to be free on how I understand and interact with God and that being different than the way Barbie does, that would have been a, a big a deal breaker and an issue I think if we hadn't been able to kind of understand okay we're not it's not my job to to provision Barbie's God relationship so that's that's yeah. a little bit of my perspective yeah I think um being uprooted from your culture and not just move to a different state but like a whole other continent where they speak a different language we've both lived that right so he moved to Chile we lived there the first years that was intense moving back here even though we both have learned the languages right and, and kind of manage that it's really really complex um and I think it's tested when, when your 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 whole reality is removed. You know everything that you know or that makes you feel safe is removed. The natural tendency is to want to cling to <laughs> to Joel and be like, "You're my home now," you know. Um, but as time goes by, you realize there's a lot of things that. I love you, but like, there's so many things that. This is going to be a list of things you love about. Right? <laughs> yes, there's so many things that um, that fulfill me, fulfill my heart, or or make me happy when I address questions to girlfriends, or when I go, you know, shopping with someone else, or there there's things that only friends can really cover the best. Um, and I think it's been a huge uh, blessing to find that for us to realize, like all right, you know, he's got his guy nights, I've got my girl nights or stuff like that and coordinate the, those things as a couple. Um, it gives us a lot more things to talk about also because we're not, especially during the pandemic, I would go insane if, if he was everything to me, the whole you complete me, like, ooh, you know. Um, so I think it's been super healthy in that sense. It's helped us to, and, and also one thing that you were saying, L'Oreal, is it, you know, piggyback, uh, piggybacking on that. Um, it's like when when you 
tend to believe or hope or expect that your other half, your partner, is supposed to be everything to you or that you're supposed to coordinate your whole life around them, it really deters you from having awesome relationships with other people and with God. It actually stunts your growth as a person. So the stretching, you know, instead of Joel trying to constantly please me, which sometimes I wish he did, but the fact that he doesn't fall into that and he's like, go find your own thing, girl, you know, <laughs> uh, has been super helpful. It's, it has helped grow. And, and the same for him when he can't process something and I'm like, I can't fix you, you know, um, and he goes to his guys or figures out how to find God in a different way. It's been very, very healthy for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think, uh, not, not forcing, but encouraging outside voices into our relationship means that I don't, that I don't, for example, from my perspective, I don't get to kind of control Barbie or point her into thinking and believing the same things that I do. Because sometimes she talks to somebody else and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what they think. I would never have told you that. Uh, but it's, it's a great way to diversify the voices that are giving input in your life, even if I don't know, even if it's always well, sometimes a little bit uncomfortable because I don't get to control it. But I think when you have those really uh, uh, internal marriages that are all just building on itself, you don't have that kind of output, input of out external voices and ideas and thoughts that help you stretch and, and grow. So um, yeah. I think there's some other things there too. I, there's a couple things I think uh, your marriage highlights a reality I think is true in all marriages, but it just is more um, blatant in yours is because like Barbie is a Chilean, is a Latina, if Joel is meant to complete you, you have to deny a big part of who you are. Like that's just, he, he literally, how is he going to complete you as a Latina if he is this white guy from Northern Illinois. Like it's, you know, this Norwegian dude, he can do a lot, but there's a lot of who you have to be. But I, and maybe we can't all name that cultural piece of ourselves. But I think that's still true. There's pieces of who we are, that if we believe that our soulmate's the one, our partner's the one that's meant to complete us, uh, then all of a sudden there's like parts of us that just don't fit there. Um, and the second thing that stood out to me is that it's, it's work. Uh, you know, I think part of the lie um, and the kind of headache of a lot of romance stories is they end with the proposal or they end with the, like, it, it depicts uh, romance as a result of organic kind of just, uh, it's, I'm just living out of what I'm feeling all the time. Like, and so, whereas what you guys describe is going through really hard things and having to work through uh, and like finding that the fulfillment of relationship in a lot of ways is because of the work that you put in and the intentionality, the choice there, not because this romance kind of completed you and you just kind of lived out of that space. Um, and so I, I'm curious for, <clears throat> sorry, uh, not COVID. Um, so the, you gotta say it these days. Um, two things I'm curious, I'd love for you guys to finish this up. One is each of you have talked a lot about how finding other people has been a really important part of a, of a full life. And I just would love for you, can you just talk a little bit more about what other relationships in your life have done for you? Yeah, 
being. And secondly, I can say this because I know you two, um, but you've already revealed it a little bit, which is like, I, I'm not, you, the way you two approach faith is really different. You, the, you're like, the default setting of how I approach faith is really different. And uh, just talk a little bit about how you figure out to be honest and pursue faith for yourself and knowing that that looks different for your spouse and trying to, so I just have to figure out how to, how to pursue this and that Joel's not going to be the sacerdote because the way that he does faith is not going to lead you in the way that you do faith and vice versa. I don't know what, what the opposite version is of, of Barbie to you. Um, and just kind of some of your closing thoughts around that. So sorry, that was a really long two questions, Kyle. So the questions were, how have the inputted, how have friends inputted into our relationship? And the other one? How about we'll say this for time? And just as you think about this whole conversation, yeah. the last thoughts that you leave us with yeah. as we think about finding your own life in a relationship and knowing that the lie So the, I think the, the, the beauty of finding fulfillment in friendship has been um, friends meeting you in places that your spouse sometimes can't meet you, right? Um, bringing a different different perspective. And I think the, the same ties into the relationship with God. Um, in my experience, my relationship with God, I... I don't know, I just come from like a more mystical background. Chile is very like spiritual and like things just happen all the time that are weird. And it's just supernatural is more normal, whether it's Christian or not, you know, just in general, supernatural is normal. But also like having a more day-to-day -day relationship with God. Like me, it's normal for me to like go to bed and be like talking to myself or really I'm talking to God at night, all the lights are out and I'm like, yeah, the other day and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I don't find Joel doing that or um, listening to worship music, you know, um, when I was a teenager, like dancing and, and finding, you know, work, um, God in like dance and art in different areas. Um, like we both connect with God through nature, but like there's very few things that we connect um, where we connect the same way. So get, having the space to do that, to um, if he wants to listen to a podcast or read or lift, lift liturgical prayers were like a thing for Joel and I had never done those before. So I think giving each other the space, we've been able to explore God in different ways together. And some of those are great to do together and others are not, right? So anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think it certainly, it gives richness to our relationship and it um, means I don't have to do the impossible, which is be healthy enough to lead everything because I'm just not there. So it gives grace and space for, hey, I don't have to be perfect. Um, we can both be working on stuff at the same time and also be getting support from outside. So. Yeah, I think one of the biggest compliments I re I got while married, because now we have two kids, right? But like sometimes when we meet new people and they'll be like, wait, you guys are married or you have kids and they're like surprised. It's kind of cool because it makes you realize you can interact with anyone and everyone and still be your own self without I didn't. I fought for not losing myself, who I was, where I came from when I married Joel and vice versa, so.
that. Thank you to both. Uh, just incredibly helpful, I think. Um, just honest, like you guys found the, the one way. Nature is a common language for a spiritual connection for you, but most of the other ones are not. And so if you have to share everything, does that mean that now your, your spiritual pathway is only one thing or one of you has to like become something you're not? It's just the, the narratives around that isn't helpful. So uh, thank you uh, so much, Joambari. Thank you so much, L'Oreal. Uh, just incredibly helpful, I think, as we process what this day looks like. Like we are meant to be in relationship with each other. We are, we are meant uh, to be people that don't do life alone but this singular picture of what it looks like is just untrue. And the idea that we need one thing to be true of our life for it to be deep and meaningful and purposeful is just not true. And so what I'd like to do is I just wanna finish here and pray. And I'm gonna pray this is a specifically kind of a, a breaking the spirit prayer, like breaking any way that lies have taken hold and stolen from us stolen from us as people not in a relationship, stolen from us as people that don't fit the heteronormative expect expectation, and stolen from us those who are in a marriage or a traditional relationship uh, in that sense, uh, but still get those lies, create false expectations that steal. So, all right, I'm just going to create a little space in silence, Jesus, and I just, uh, I, I bring our hearts okay. to the table right now. I bring um, all of our really different places. Like there's a thousand different places in life that we didn't even touch on today. But Lord, I just name any of the lies that it is a lie that in order for our life to feel full and purposeful, it needs to look like one thing. It needs to look like finding a romantic partner that completes us. And if, if that has made us feel less than in any way, we break the power of that. In your name, Jesus, we break the power of anything that tries to steal from our value and dignity as those made in your image. And Lord, we break the power of that lie in the way that it, it is corrosive on relationships. I pray for healthy relationships that allows each other to be our own people, acknowledges the humanity of the other person, acknowledges that they are not able to be everything, and in turn communicates freedom. And Lord, I, I break the power that that lie has over us that prevents us from seeking the other things in life we need to feel connected and full, a community of friends, community of people around us, And Lord, I just repent on behalf of uh, being a pastor and a church. I repent for all the way that faith communities have been so complicit in communicating this narrative. I pray for healing and I pray for hope. Amen. 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 That was uh, awesome, guys. Thank you so much uh, to the Martins and to L'Oreal and to Kyle for leading us in that. I just, I really, I, I just want to make one more comment because it, it does really feel like this is a deep well here. And um, I think we will likely return to this uh, in the spring uh, or summer. I feel like there's there's tentacles out from this conversation where we can, oh, what about this? And well, actually that connects to this. And 
all of these kind of uh, messages that we experience being people who uh, live and breathe and kind of, you know, do our life in the American culture. Um, and for anybody who has been in church settings or spent a lot of time in that, certainly that, that is, it's no different. It's just, you know, the, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of situations where we hear the exact same messages um, that the rest of the American culture is hearing in a church setting, but the word biblical is slapped onto it. And so it's given a pass. And uh, that's just not the case. Like it, it still sort of uh, falls victim to the same question. So I, I just, I just wanted to 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 once again just kind of lean into what what we heard from e each of you guys sharing, which is that doing any kind of like pursuit of romance in community, <laughs> like if that's going to be a part of your life, like having other people involved in that, and not just deciding that there is one path, one human being who is going to complete you for the rest of your life. I mean, that is just so important. I. I I was I was talking with uh, with L'Oreal earlier this week, and and we were talking about like who who are the who are the teachers or role models or mentors that that actually like led to us developing any sort of like better place that's not sort of beholden to the idea of like oh romance is what's going to complete me, and we talked a little bit we talked about sisters and aunts and 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 we talked about mentors and we talked about friends and 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 what struck me is that. As I think about this, people don't say churches. People, what they tend to get from churches is like a single picture of it has to look like this. And maybe it's a better picture than another church you've been to, which was a little bit even more limiting. But I just, I think about what Kyle shared uh, as we began today, which is there is no cohesive, like, this is the only way that relationships can look. And this is the only way that a fulfilling life can look. And this is the only way that romantic life can look. It is the, the way faith plays into this is not with a prescriptive like it has to look like this. The way faith plays into this is that we are each led by God, given guidance for our unique uh, building of what is before us. And that it's it, it's what we were doing with meditation to we as small as we are, as 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 random as just one individual is. The amazing thing is that the God of the universe cares about your path and can and can and can come and, and be with you as you develop what is the right path for you. And that will look different necessarily because you're a different person than all of those other people. But we can only do that when we like foster the conversation, when we're able to have different role models and teachers and mentors who can share, oh, this was my experience. This was my experience. That's the number one thing that has helped me is I remember one friend in particular who just opened up his life to me in terms of this is what it looked like when I was single and how I learned to be okay with that. As somebody who spent many years longing, pining to be in a relationship in a very unhelpful way. And then this same friend opened up his life to me when he was married. And when I became married, it kind of helped me build out a picture of like, hey, this is, I can take from that and I can take from this and I can take from that and I can build what is right for me. And so uh, churches are not a place that we often talk about this, but we want to, our commitment as a community is we want to be a place where those role model, those relationships that where we can, where we can, you know, share and 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 just kind of like swap experiences and learn from the people who we, you know we see like oh, I, I, what do they got i want to learn from that we want to be the place that fosters those conversations and so may we be that as a community i'm off my soapbox <laughs> <laughs>